Every believer has the capacity to live as Jesus lived. Live victoriously over sin, sickness, death, poverty, and every evil works of the enemy. You can transform not just your own life, but the lives of people around you. The more you expose yourself to the words of God, the more you see it flow through you. In this message, Pastor Philip teaches on how you can respond to God's unconditional love for you. Live your life in the reality of His power and be all His Word says you can be. Okay, tonight we're rounding up on what we've been studying for the entire month, stewardship and service. You know, in teaching this series, series I think I didn't even give, give, I didn't put a lot of justice to the word stewardship. You know, in teaching this series, I emphasize so much on service, but not on stewardship. And stewardship means that you are not the owner of what you are holding. Your time does not belong to you. How many of you know that? How many of you know you are giving your time? How many of you know that? How many of you know that you are on a countdown, that you have a time counting? How many of you know that? How many of you are sure about that? How many of you know that your life does not belong to you? How many of you understand and agree with me that you did not do anything to be born? You didn't do anything to be born. If they, if they list out what were the responsibilities you put in place to be born, you didn't do anything. Your life is a gift. Your very life is a gift. So you are holding it in trust and you are going to give account for that life. The money that you have is not your own. You see, when we argue about issues about giving, you know, sowing and all that, we always have arguments because people have not come to the times that what you are holding is not your own. Even if you tell me that you worked for that money, I will tell you that the health with which you worked for that money, it is not your own. God kept you healthy. The life with which you worked for that money, the Bible says I lay on my bed and I woke up because God did what? It was God that sustained me. My energy is not my own. Everything that I have is borrowed from the Lord. That was why that servant of Elisha, when he was cutting down the tree and the axe head fell into the river, he shouted, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. What you are holding today is not your own. Who you have become is not by your power. It is by the gift of God. The Bible says we are saved by grace. Through faith is a gift. There is nobody here that has gotten to anything in their life by their strength. You know when you sleep, it's a temporary unconsciousness. Anything can happen when you are sleeping. People have slept and died. One of my most amazing sisters, her name is Mommy Beru. She was super amazing. She's an elder sister. She was doing her masters those days in Efe when I was leading the choir. Superbly amazing sister. She just slept, went to school, picked her children from school, brought them from school, you know, and got them eating and said, please, I just want to rest upstairs you know, for a while. And she went and rested and never woke up. You know, I flew all the way from Abuja to Lagos to go and ask, what happened to Mommy Biro? Because nobody was giving me any questions. Nobody was giving me any answers. So I went there and said, no, Mumbiru cannot die. Say so she just slept. So that you slept. How many of you slept yesterday night? Nobody agreed. 
and you woke up, do you know that you did not do anything to wake up? You didn't do anything to wake up. You have, you have plans, some of us have great plans today, you want to do that, you want to achieve this, you want to achieve that, you want to get that done. You, you have put up a plan for your life and you know, we forget that God is the owner of this life. That foolish rich man in scriptures says, I will pull down my barn and I will raise up another barn and I will say, oh my soul, relax, rejoice. And God says, oh thou fool, thy soul shall be required of thee this night. All of us here, no matter how terrible and how miserable you feel about your life, the fact that you are alive is a proof that God is not done with you yet. I'm telling you the truth. You may feel very terrible, you may feel very miserable about your life, you may feel very dissatisfied, but the fact that you are alive tonight is because God is still holding you in trust for something tangible in your life. None of us. So the concept of stewardship is that awareness that everything that you have or that you are holding was given to you for a time. The richest people in the world die. Rich people die. And you will not know how miserable riches are until when the owners of those things die. I'm telling you the truth. You know, when we were in Lagos, there were people that were very rich in our area at that time. I used to live in Dalakoko. They had properties and they had cars. Some of them, those cars, very powerful 504. Powerful 505. Solid. Some 504 said, it's like a station wagon. Those were the cars that people thought, wow, they die. And those cars are just decaying. Their houses today in the city of Abuja, that is the person that built them died. Those houses are empty. It's rats and arm robbers that live in those houses. When people die, you will see that there's, not, there's nothing to cling to in this life. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. I've been in the line estate before. I've seen the person. This was one, one person that used to jump everywhere. Jump about, have so much energy. You know, and doing all kinds of things. I never threatening people. I'm going to deal with you. I'm going to... Let's lying down there lifeless. When you attend those kind of meetings, you come to sudden awareness, constant awareness that this life is not your own. When I told you the story about when they were burying my uncle. When they buried my uncle, we went to the mortuary to pick him up and then we we're going to bury him in the cemetery at Old Baptist Church Cemetery in Abelkuta. And when we got there, there was a signboard in the front of the cemetery. We were once like you. Committee of the Dead, signed, management. <laughs> dead, dead men were telling us we were once like, and we're not lying. Everybody in that symmetry were once like me. I took a selfie with that uh, signboard because I wanted to remind myself always that the little time that I have, I had to make use of it for God and for the people. Your life is not your own. That suit you are wearing is not your own. I promise it's not your own. There are some of us have shoes. We are keeping those shoes for the future. It's Antichrist that wait. I'm telling you. You have to go and wait fast. You keep your perfume. They will press it. They will press Antichrist. <laughs> when they come, they will use everything. 
Just picture that clothes on the body of Antichrist. <laughs> I'm telling you, we came to this world naked. We we'll live naked. Stewardship is that concept and awareness that what God has committed into your hands has committed in your hands an entrustment and that you're going to bear record for it. Right? We've gone through all this for this week, for this month, and I'm just going to run through, you know, I know that some of us may have one or two questions, particularly around soul winning, and I'll be glad to answer us. But let's go to the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 to 9. Do more. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 to 9. I will be taking King James, and I will take time amplified if we have time. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 3, verse 6 to 9. King James first, what does it say? 1 Corinthians I, chapter, yes? I have planted... Can you, can you talk a bit louder? I have planted. I have planted. Apollo's watered. Apollo's watered. But God gave the increase. So Paul says, I, Paul, planted. Apollo's watered. But it was God that did what? Gave the increase. So God gave the increase. Continue what does it next? So then neither is he that planted anything. Neither is he that planted anything. Neither he that watered. Or he that watered. For God that giveth the increase. For God that gave increase. Can you want to say next? Now he that planted and he that watereth are one. The Bible says he that planted and he that waters are one, yes? And every man shall receive his own reward according every to his own labor. Every man, every man will receive reward not according to their title. Eh? Praise the Lord. Are you following me this evening? God is not going to reward any man's title. And because there are people who have suddenly become too grown in the Lord to walk. They have become too grown in the Lord to serve. In their mind, they have gone beyond all that. They can't save anymore. He says, God will reward every man according to what? His own labor. His labor, not a congregational labor. So as we are here now, you cannot hide under the labor of your neighbor. Are you following me this night? All of us are here now. It's possible we are walking in the choir. You are in the choir. People in the choir, you might be in the choir on the ushering and you are hiding. God is not going to reward groups. He's not going to reward ushering units or reward the uh, choir or reward protocol. He's going to reward each man according to what? So they are going to look at his work like this. What, do you, what did you do? And they are going to reward him. And it will not be unfair. When some people have very little reward because they had very little labor. Now, he's not going to reward them according to their popularity. Are you following my point? He's not going to reward them according to their followers on Instagram. Because they are, it is foolishness to think that because you have huge following or social media presence, you are doing a lot and there's someone somewhere that nobody knows who is putting in the real labor. I like the word labor because it's not posh. You can never touch up the word. Labra. You know labra? Have you seen labra before? Have you seen people laboring, laboring for? You, you picture somebody working in a building, building um, construction site with pong pong. You know pong pong? Ah, you guys don't know these things. Do you know pong pong? What's bong bong? Eh? They will use cement pack to do a sugar and carry it. 
They are laborers. That's the picture. They are never clean. You can never see a clean. Some of people are too clean to be laboring. You know, I was telling them in the media department, some people come, the way they are even dressed to the media department, you know, this one has not come to work. Because some, some of those activities were, would require work. I remember they were, was, um, I don't know whether it was you or uh, Oral and Abigail. Was Abigail? They, they were protocoling for an event and they are not eating from morning to night. They have been there from morning. What time did you guys get there that day? Eh? That program, what time did you get there? Around 10. And what time did you leave there? After, after 9. I was spitting them like this. Ah, so what will you guys eat now? They said, no, we're past, we're, we're okay. Not eating anything. You see it in the eyes. They are tired. They are shut out. But yet they are saving. They are saving. They may not even get a thank you. But the Lord that see it in secret. The world in open. God is not a secret rewarder. He's a secret observer. But he's not a secret rewarder. He calls them laborers. I like that word. Laborer. Are you laboring? Laboring. We cannot toil. Can you let me check for labor in the dictionary? What does labor mean? Check for labor from the dictionary. To labor or laborer. A, what's a, who is a laborer? Oxford Dictionary. What does it say? Unskilled for wages. Continue. What's the next? Just describe. That's all. That's Oxford. A person who does hard physical work. Physical work. Hard. So you see, some people now in the house of God, they are just they are just very posh. They are not doing anything physical. They are just thinking. They are think tanks. We are thinking. But they never get into the work. I said to you on Sunday, when I came on Sunday, my heart blessed. As I entered, I saw everybody cleaning. And I was praying immediately. As I entered, I was praying, I said, Father, bless these people. Everybody cleaning. Some of them are owners of their own businesses. Cleaning, cleaning, sweeping, scrubbing, sweeping, scrubbing, cleaning. Everybody got involved, moving. Nobody pocketing. I said, we are the ones organizing. I have seen people like that too. They are coming. Yes, that's okay. That's okay. No labor. He said, God will reward us according to our labor. What does it say? Help me do more. What does it say? We are laborers together with God. He says we are laborers. You see, that's why I say I love that word. We are laborers together with God. That's verse what? Verse 9. If you look at verse 9 in Amplified, what does it say? Verse 9 in Amplified. We are laborers together with God. What does it say? For we are God's fellow workers. So God is a worker. Are you following that scripture? Is that what it means? If I say I am God's fellow worker, what does it mean? When you use the word fellow, what does it mean? Eh? So when Jesus said in John chapter 9 that my father worketh 
Itato, and I walk. That means God is not pocketing. God is walking. Jesus says, I see, as I see my father do, so am I doing. So if you see me doing all this work I'm doing, it's because I'm seeing my father walking. He says, it is God who walketh in us. Both to will and to do. God's Sabbath ended the day Adam sinned. God was in his Sabbath. That Sabbath ended from the day that Adam sinned. God has not rested. Until the last person is brought into salvation, there's no rest. Are you following my point? So God is working. The owner of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth is working. It, by that means that all of us must be part of that work. He says we are co-laborers with him. We are co-laborers. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 1. To put a little bit more highlights on that scripture. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter KJV. 6. KJV. Let's start with KJV. Then we'll move on to NIV and then to God's word and all that. Alright? We then. We then. As workers together with him. He says, We then as workers together with him. What? Beseech you also. Beseech you also. That ye receive not the grace of God in vain. So if you look at NIV, do you have NIV? 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1. Workers together. As God's co-workers. As God's co-workers. So you see, my emphasis here, apart from the fact that God is working, which is clear to all of us, is that the Bible says that we are co-workers. That means there's a plan, a work plan. And all of us like this, we have a portion in that plan. Are you following me this night? Now, there's a plan. There's a plan. There's an, there's an ultimate plan that God has. And he took a portion of that plan and assigned it to you. When we are young and growing up, they say, you wash the plates. You clean the sitting room. You dust the furniture. You do that. You do this. You do that. If everyone does what they are assigned to do, the house will be what? Clean. The goal is what matters, not the role. It will not matter who did what. Anyone that comes into the house will come into the house and meet a clean house. Why? Everyone had done their part. Now, if the house is now clean and there are speckles of dust on the furniture, that means the person assigned to do that thing did not do it. And because of that, it does not only affect the work of others, it destroys the ultimate goal. It impacts on the total evaluation of the work assigned to that community. Are you following me this night? Yes, sir. So, you have a portion. You might say, Pastor, I am very small. He has given you a small portion. Everybody here, don't undermine yourself. Don't say, I'm not a pastor. I'm not. Did you see, he shall reward them according to their pastor? Is that what he said? According to their what? You see, we are the ones, all those titles are just for administrative convenience. Administrative convenience. Labor is labor. So you can say, I'm a, I'm a furniture duster. I'm a furniture duster. I was saying, oh, I'm, I'm a floor mopper. I'm a floor mopper. I'm a ceiling cleaner. All oh, that's just for administrative. You are a laborer. That's the core. That's the main thing. You are a laborer. So in a church like this, 
Like I said, the local church is not built on the gifts of a few, but on the sacrifice of many. That all of us haven't come to the awareness of our portion that God has assigned a portion to you. Do you know that work you are doing? God is looking at you like that. That that work is imparting on his ultimate plan. That there's a soul coming to church. And that soul can make up his mind or her mind. That I'm going to attend this church and I'm going to follow Jesus. Just because somebody welcomed him properly at the gates. Now you may have undermined your welcoming. That the word, the word end. Above you here, standing here. Somebody who is coming with a very depressed soul. May just meet your dashing smile at the door. And you brighten up their day. And just because of that smile, somebody's making a commitment for Jesus. That's your labor. That's your labor. So if you isolate your labor, it looks meaningless. But if you look at your labor in the context of the entire ultimate plan, you see that this is a goal that God is trying to reach. So Paul says, we are workers. Can you give me God's word? Do you have God's word translation? GWT. We are workers together. I'm a partner with Jesus. Do you have it? God's word translation. GWT. Let's we then as workers together with him. That, that's not God's word. Eh? That's not God's word. God's word. GWT. God's word translation. Have you read NIV for me? So it says we are God's God's co-workers. That's what God's word says. Since we are God's co-workers, what should we now do? So, we are God's co-workers. And that God has assigned you or called you into his work. He said, don't let that kindness be a waste. We now are co-workers. That word colleagues, does it make sense to you? What do you call co-workers? It's not colleagues. What is the more contemporary language for co-workers? What is it? So God is your colleague. You know, it's just now that people are closing in on the hierarchy system in workplaces. It's just now. Abi? They have an open door system. God has done that a long time. He looks at you and says, you're my colleague. Why did he call you a colleague? Because God is not living on your streets. And there's something that God wants to do on your streets. But he has assigned you there for a purpose. That lame man had been on the, at the gates of the beautiful gate for many years. Do you know Jesus Christ passed that man every time he goes to preach in that synagogue? Why didn't Jesus Christ touch that guy? He saw him there, he didn't touch him. If he had done everything, there would be nothing left for us to do. So what would be the essence of our co-workership? If he has, he's, he's, he's not a sole proprietor. It's not a one-man business. Are you following my point? Yes. He has decided in his mind and his own sovereignty that this thing that he wants to do, he will include you inside it. So in his mind, he said, let me not touch this guy. John and Peter will try their hands on this one. When we're young, our father may be eating. You know, our father doesn't finish. They never finish their food. Even if they can finish it. Because the way you're looking, they say, leave more meat for this boy. Some of us will look like as if we are puppies. So as he's breaking the bones, he remembers you. 
So he says, yeah, he, leaves, he, he gives you a leftover. You see that leftover? It's not, it's not like you cannot finish it. Anything you see undone is God's leftover to you. He left it undone because he knows you were coming. And you would have been idle and jobless if he had done everything. God has been God before the earth came. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was not the creation of heaven and earth that made him God. He has been God before heaven came. He could have been God all by himself. It was his kindness that he, he included us in his God story. That I, I don't want to be God alone. So he says, you are my colleague. Someone say, I'm God's colleague. You know, I, I know there's humility in your heart. That how can I say that? How can I say I'm colleague? Sometimes when your MDCO comes in or the, or the principal partner comes in and says, my colleague is here with me. He's standing with me here. Eh? The learned skill, silk stands in court. And says, my Lord, appearing for my Lord this morning is JK, so, so, and so, and standing with me as my colleague. And you're a copper. And says, and you say, stand with me as my colleague, Alpha, J, JT Alpha. <laughs> Are you to stand up? Yes, my Lord. You know that you don't know any law. <laughs> you know that if they carry your brain, you are a copper wee. <laughs> but you stand here beside that grandeur, that grand years of learning, years of law, years of practice. You stand there and say, Yes, my Lord. Because he has become your colleague. At best, you say, My senior colleague. So you are God's junior colleague. And that thing is asking you to do. It's not because he cannot do it by himself. You see, that SCN could have appeared in court by himself. He could have gone there alone. You are not adding any value to him. They are not going to respect him more now because you appeared with him. Instead, you are the one gaining value and leveraging on his work by appearing with him. Are you going to appear with God in your life? Appear with God. When God appears, let him be able to say, and standing with me today, is Minister Linus. Standing with me today is Valentine. Are you following my point? Yes, sir. So we are co-workers. I wanted to take out time to emphasize that. There's a portion for you in this work. And it says, do not receive that grace in vain. There's a portion. Don't undermine what you are doing. So first, what we are doing is just praying. You are praying, you are praying, you are praying. That prayer is very important. Because prayer is giving God a legal stand, foot, foot old over a situation. Prayer is not a waste. Anna, Bible says he stays in the house of the Lord and serve God with prayer and with fasting. So you must understand that it is God you are serving. You see, you are not serving your, your team lead. You are not serving your pastor. In, in context, of course, I know there are times you, are, you may be serving your pastor because you serve with him. But God is the recipient of your service. Colossians chapter 3 verse 24. No more. Colossians chapter 3 verse 24. Let's look at that in, in, in King James. God is the recipient of your service. Colossians 3 24. What does it say? Knowing that of the Lord. Knowing that of the Lord. He shall receive the reward of the inheritance. So let's, let's go. Let's start from um, verse 22. 22. Let's start from verse 22. Servants, yes, obey in all things, obey your masters in all things, yes, 
your masters according to the flesh. Yes. Not with eye service. Not with eye service. Yes. As men pleasers. As men pleasers. But in singleness of heart. In singleness of heart. Sharing God. He says, "Don't serve with eye service. Don't serve with eye service. Don't serve because somebody was going to notice you." I want to beg you. If you serve with eye service, the Bible says you already have your reward. You see that? Wow! That guy is really trying. That's your reward. That thing they said, just go home. You have gotten your reward. In fact, if it's possible for you to hide to save, hide to save, so that men will not even see you enough to be able to say, ah, you are trying. One brother said he went to Buku one day. And um, the Lord set him to go and cut the grass. Said the Lord, you know the Holy Ghost can tell you to wash plates. If the Holy Ghost has not told you to wash plates before, I don't know the kind of Holy Ghost you are working with. Holy Ghost will humble you. Some of us we are very proud. The Holy Ghost, they go and sweep the floor. He's doing it deliberately. The Holy Ghost can tell you, wash that plate. Wash. Pick that. The Holy Ghost can even do things that you are very angry. It's as if the Holy Ghost is even waiting for things that you hate. As if that thing that you hate, that's what you're going to do. How many of you have been in that place? You know what I'm talking about. The Holy Ghost can tell you to apologize. The person is the person that offends you. You and the Holy Ghost know. But yet he says, go and apologize. You see, if I begin to unravel some things, we don't have time. One day, I'm going to teach for five hours. Stretch. Because see, there are many things I want to say when I'm doing Bible study like this. They are flooding my mind like this. I say, if I, if I should try to go that direction, I'll be lost. All this is you are looking for in your life is in a circle. You can't see further than what you are seeing. It's like God has a master plan. And there's a little thing you are going to do now that will trigger something else. That will trigger another thing. That will now go and answer for you on what you are desiring elsewhere. Yeah. It says you would reap what you sow. It didn't say you would reap where you sow. Yes, so there are things you sow here that is working and harvest for you in far away. I'm telling the truth. And little obedience. A little obedience here. A little obedience here. What you consider just little. Go and say sorry. That go and say sorry. Can trigger something in the heart of someone else. Someone might just is drop and see you saying sorry, and the Holy Ghost begins to work on that person's heart. And that person may have been a murderer and is already planning to murder someone who has offended him. And just because the person saw you saying sorry, you don't know that all that go and say sorry. You are not even the you are not even the subject matter. God was just using you as a billboard. Because he wanted to start a walk in somebody else's heart. And then he sees you and that walk begins. And God is able to revamp or restore an entire family just because of what you did. I told about that family who are turned away from the Lord. All of them are turned away from the Lord. Father, mother, parents, children, everybody. Just because their sibling died. And I had gone to preach in law school that day. And somebody had died that weekend. And I had to address the issue of when a Christian dies. And that lady was there at the back, crying and sobbing. And she went home and repreached that sermon with the entire family. And the entire family went back to Jesus. That morning, as I was just doing what the Lord is asking me to do, I did not know 
that this little obedience is going to work for us. I may never even meet them. I may never even know them. I'm telling you, until we get to heaven, only eternity will tell us how many miracles were wrought, how many lives were saved, how many deliverance were taking place because a Christian began to pray when he felt a nudge to pray, even when he did not know what he was praying for. You will not know. You will not know. You are just a microscopic element in God's ultimate plan. And that's why your posture cannot be undermined. What makes a car start? What makes a car start? Is it ignition? Is it a spark plug? Because the car starts without like battery. So what makes the car start? Is it the fuel plug? Is it the coil? Is it the batteries? Is it the alternator? What really makes a car start? Is it the fuel in the car? Because you can have a car full of fuel and it will not start. So what makes a car start? Everything, everything together. Everything working. It says we are workers together. So you put in the ignition and that turning of the key already ignited the system from the spark plug to the fuel plug that supplies the fuel to the spark plug. The spark plug just do the work of the spark plug is the beginning. It doesn't go beyond that second. Just spark. But if that spark plug does not spark, you can have a brand new engine. You can have a brand new battery. You can have a full tank. Your car will not start. So what you think, you think that your service is just a spark plug. Because the durability of this, your service, the whole length of your service is just two minutes. And you undermine that two minutes. Not knowing that this two minutes is what is going to kickstart this system. I tell you the truth. My obedience is going to ignite. Now, there are people today who are getting married who made themselves in themselves. Are you following my point? They are going to get married in SLC. They are going to have children in SLC. And all that started with me saying, yes, Lord. Now, that simple yes, Lord, now an entire family will be born through it. There are people who have come to meet Jesus in SLC just by that single yes, Lord. That is why you are a co-worker with him. What makes the car move? If the engine should undermine the tires, it will be grounded. Yes. It says, you, you, you down there, what are you doing? You black, you black thing. <laughs> oh yeah, now come and move, let's see. If the steering undermines the gear, it will move. You are just there, small, like a, like, like toothpick. Come and move, let's see. You are turning left, and I turn left, and I move, now let's see you. That is why all the parts are critical. In the issue of this soul win and not soul win, you know, when you watch how God wins souls, sometimes when God sends you, you don't even know why he's sending you. You don't know why he's sending you. You don't have the master power. And that's why you see your disobedience, you don't know the consequence. You see that disobedience? If the Lord shows you the consequence of all your disobedience, and how many people have been delayed? How many work had to be restarted? How many people had to be brought away from their place of assignment to come and come and rescue what you are you were supposed to do? How many 
people are suffering right now because there was a process that would be kickstarted and your little obedience in the center was absent. So God is speaking to you out. I want you to rise. I want you to rise. You see, I want you to begin to go to schools and talk to small children and talk to, and talk to little girls. And you are saying, me. When, me and Philip, do we not leave university together? Look at him preaching in Abuja. Me, I should go and be talking to, to school children. What a, what, a, what a waste of grace. And you did not know that there's a little girl there who the devil had sighted. And the devil knows. You see, when your destiny is bright, Satan starts early. Yeah. Satan starts very early. And God had told the Kai, who can I send you? To rescue the soul of this girl. And the whole thing you are doing in that secondary school, all that whole thing, is just because of that one girl. You see, we don't know. That this girl will be the girl that will end up leading your own child to Jesus. But you did not know. So you undermine that work. And God that will restart. How many times have God that will restart? Because of the failure of his children. He says you are co-workers. You see, I don't need to know what the plan is. Just give me my portion. This thing I'm doing. I'm very happy doing it. Am I happy doing it? Because I'm, I'm on my stand. I'm in my post. Are you following my point? And this work is able to work. Somebody had to bring that mixer down here. That person can say, me, I'm just bringing that mixer. But you are a partaker of the grace. No matter what happens, God is going to appoint to everyone according to his labor. According to his labor. May the Lord give you understanding. Amen. Let's look at this scripture. Acts chapter 9. Let's start from verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus. So the Bible says, and there was a certain, so was a certain disciple. Certain disciple. So you see, that certain disciple was in Damascus. There is a certain disciple now in FRS. There's a certain disciple now in give me another organization. Certain disciple in customs. EFC. There's a certain disciple. You see, because when God wants to do something, he will use who he has. So the Bible says there was a certain disciple in Damascus. What happened? Tell me again. Named Ananias. Named Ananias. And to him. To him. Said the Lord in a vision. The Lord said to him in a vision. Ananias. Ananias. And he said. And he said. Behold. Behold. I am here, Lord. I'm here, Lord. And the Lord said to him. Yes. Arise and go into the street which is called Straight. Arise and go to the street called Straight. Yes. And inquire in the house of Judas for and, one called and Saul. And inquire in the house of Judah one called Saul. Of Tarsus. Of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. For behold, he's praying. And he had seen in a vision. And he had seen in a vision. A man named Ananias. A man named Ananias. Coming in. Now, let me tell you something. Paul was praying. You see, your obedience is someone's answer to their prayer. There's somebody praying. And like I said, when God touches your heart and say, minister the gospel to this person. You don't know whether that person's grandmother is praying in the village. And God says, no, don't worry. I have a certain disciple in Wusetu. He will go there. When the Lord came to look for Ananias, 
he found him where he left him. Ananas are not Japa. The usefulness of this vessel. You see this vessel? The usefulness, listen to me very carefully. The usefulness of this vessel, this thing you are looking at, is a water bottle. But its usefulness is number one. I can open it. You see, if I cannot open this vessel, what is in it is useless to me. There's an opening for this vessel. Is there an opening in your life? When God picks you up, can he open you up or you are closed in in your selfishness? You are closed in in your own myopic perspective and paradigm. You are closed in in your religion. Like Peter was closed when he says arise and eat. He says since then bomb me. Since then bomb me. I have never eaten anything like this. He was not open to a new move of God. So the first usefulness of this bottle is that I can open it. The second usefulness is that it has depth to contain. It has depth to receive. That means it's not a shallow believer. How deep are you? How spacious is your heart? Do you have capacity for Asia? Now, there are, this bottle water may be able to sustain only me. But there are some bottle water that you know this bottle water can sustain three people. You know, Jane has one bottle water. Jane, where's that, where's that bottle water? Give me that bottle. So, you see this bottle water? Someone say capacity. What this one can receive? So, both of them have opening, but their depths are different. This one might be able to receive water for three people. How deep are you? How many nations can you receive water from? If God wants to pour out, how large is your spirit to contain what he wants to pour out? All right? The second, the third usefulness of this bottle is that I can pour out. For some, anything God pours in, stays in. They never let go. God opened you up and they gave you one million now. As you are receiving it, God says, that one million is not your. You say, I rebuke you now. <laughs> now, you, you, somebody just called you and gave you that money and you are already acting as if you worked for it, as if this thing, they bone you with it. Why that sudden miracle that you receive? Why did you think that miracle came into your hands? God pours in us to pour us out. That thing he did to you, do you think it was because of you that he did that thing? No, it was not because of you. That gift he gave to you, do you think God, now you can sing so well, you think it's because of you? So some people have used their singing voice to get girlfriends. That's not the reason. That's the reason why God gave you a voice. That skill you have, that leadership skill, that communication skill, that, interaction, that social skill, that ability to connect with everyone, that thing is not because of you. There is no orange tree that sucks its own orange. Yes, sir. 
the fruits on your life are not for your consumption. Stop taking in your own fruits. So the third importance of this vessel in the hands of God is that it can pour out. And not just pour out, pour out in the state with which it was poured in. It is not corrupted. In the states. That's it. So when God was looking for someone to send in Damascus, he said, there's a certain disciple. You see, he had poured in that disciple before. Now he's going to lay a demand on this deposit. God lays a demand on his deposit. When the hand of the Lord came upon Ezekiel, he said he took him to a valley of dry bones. Nobody wants to go to the valley of dry bones here. I am going higher. I am going higher. I am going higher, 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 higher. Every day, except someone says, Are you going down? He said, Never. I am going higher. But the hand of the Lord came upon Ezekiel and took him down. The hand of the Lord took him down. To a valley of dry bones. Why? He was taking him to a place where there will be a demand on the deposit of his auction. So the last importance of this vessel is that I find it where I placed it. <laughs> mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. So protocol has let me put what I in and I drop it here. But before I come back, this thing has moved it. Follow strange woman. Follow uh, follow Tashish. Sheep going to Tashish. <laughs> this thing has followed. So God is not saying, ah, where? Stay, God said, check where we left the disciple in uh, Tasso in uh, in Damascus, he said, We have checked there, he's not there, he's gone. <laughs> he said, ah! So Paul says, Demas has forsaken me. That forsaken me. Having loved this present world, he has followed Instagram, he has followed the main thing. So God plants you in the church for a purpose, he plants you here for a purpose. But what you're doing, you come, 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 like this, it's up here. So when God now has a need of his deposit on your life in that place, he can't find you again. Some of us have moved from our position. You have to repent. And since you left, you are not enjoying supply. Because God will only pour supply where he left you. He said, go to the brook at Cherith. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. As long as you are there, the ravens are bringing it. That's where the supply is. How did I get this place? Is this my part of my problem? This thing I'm saying now. Eh? So let's continue in that story. For behold, behold, he prayeth. He prayeth. And had seen in a vision a man named Ananias. So another thing I want to quickly point out, please just remind me so I don't miss my road again. Is that God had shown Paul, Mr. Linus, he had shown Paul, Ananias, praying. He had shown Paul that Ananias was coming to lay hands on him before God went to tear Ananias. So God trusted Ananias enough to have staked his reputation as a God that cannot lie. 
and told Paul, I am coming with Ananias. Even before he told Ananias. Imagine if Ananias said, I'm not going. So Jeremiah will now come. Paul will not say, no, are you? He says, no, my name is Jeremiah. Say, but I saw Ananias. John G. Lake was in South Africa. Please don't let me forget my line. Just remember what I'm John G. Lake was in South Africa. And he had gone as a missionary to South Africa. And the day he landed there, he was staying in the house of a particular missionary. Particular um, local, local person was living there in that locality. So it was there, that's where he entered. And John G. Lake came from the U.S. Strong anointed man. John G. Lake was the one that first that humiliated Ebola. Some people were dying of Ebola. There was phone coming out of their mouth. Say anybody that touched them will get. He said anybody I touch get healed. So they went to pick Ebola foam, and they put it in his hands. They put those hands. People normally would have contacted. He says put these hands under the microscope. They checked it. All the virus were, all the virus had died because it had contact. So there was a very old man that came and knocked the door of that house. That house where he was staying. The day he landed. Ah. So the owner owned process. He said please, I'm looking. For an English missionary. He said, the one just came to say yes. He said, because about 40 years ago, there was a prophecy that today a missionary will come here that will save this city from the hands of the devil. So we have been praying since then, and I've only come to see whether he has arrived. So God has shown them that he was coming. That was the same thing that God was doing with Peter. With, with Paul, when he said, I'm sending, so you see, your disobedience, you don't know, your disobedience is making God a liar. Do you know how many people that God have told that have a servant in this city? Any, you see, that prompting Satan can never tell you to preach the gospel to somebody. Any nudge you feel, you enter church, clean that place. I'm telling you, it's God talking to you. Clean that place, clean that dirty, remove that thing, even the house of God. It's God talking to you. Satan can never tell you to clean the house of God. Satan can never tell you to make things work. Satan can never tell you all those things. How does Satan say you should clean the house of God? He's praying. Help me do more. What do I say next? Ah, my time. No, I'm not even taking any question. I'm telling you, I've not even touched my sermon for today. I'm telling you the truth. This is introduction. I can show you my notes. I can show you my notes. This thing I'm telling you is introduction. What did he say? And I'd seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him yes. that he might receive his sight. Yes. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man yes. how much evil he had done to thy saints at Jerusalem. Yes. And here he had authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. Yes. But the Lord said unto him, yes. Go thy way. Yes. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles. He and says, kings. Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel. So on the day of your salvation is the day you were chosen. Immediately. You are enlisted. Immediately. Maybe we should have a camo. We should do camo scarf. So when we ask people to give their life to Christ as they are coming out, see, you are enlisted. Military. You are enlisted. So you quickly know from the day you came out like this, your training begins. You are enlisted. You are enlisted. You are enlisted. He said, for I have chosen him 
So look at how, if you look at the work of Paul compared to the work of Ananias, you would have thought that Ananias did not do anything. But Ananias was the spark plug with which the engine of Paul cannot work. Yeah. Ananias' mission lasted for one day. Are you following me? Yes, but Paul would not have been able to do what he did for 30 years if that five minutes encounter with Ananias did not take place. There's a portion for you in the house of God. There's a portion for you. Don't undermine where you are. No, 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 no. Don't undermine where you are. Some of us are very short. I used to say that those that are short. So you can see at lower levels. Anyway, Satan wants to sneak and say, hey, you want here. Satan, you can't enter here. You see him faster. Your eyes, you are, you are down to earth. You, are, you see, your, your, your makeup was deliberately designed for your assignment. Those of us that are tall, because of the birds that want to fly in, you catch them easily. Anything, the Bible says, I am carefully, I am fearfully, intricately made. The day you come out and give your life to Christ, is it you are chosen? You activated your purpose. There's a place for you in the house of God. There's a place for you in the house of God. So saving the house of God should not be undermined. Some of us are handling children's church. Children's church is so critical. So critical. It's so critical. Mr. Linus, my brother lives in California. He wants to move his family from California. He says they want to use this gate to kill us here. Your child can go to school as Joseph, come back as Josephine. If he doesn't come back as Jezebel, you should even be grateful. Now they are making sure that parents can't even have a right on the choices of their children. And they have included it in the curriculum. They teach them types of sexuality, lesbianism, heterosexuality, homosexuality. They include it. People can identify as a tree, identify as a cat. And that's a civilization. And so they begin to pump the hearts of those children from that early stage at their formative stage. And so he now has to be dealing with questions. His children coming back home to be asking questions that my children don't ask me here. Are you following my point? So you are a children trust teacher. Do you know that God has, has entrusted the next generation into your hands? You're not just saying, hey, people are just there listening to you. Look at There's no even light here. Those ones, they're dancing, dancing. Live there with your palongo dance. Oh, you are securing the next generation. Don't undermine it. Don't undermine it. Children are key. Now, since they're arrows, you know, Butchie them were in my house yesterday. And I said, How did these people grow this far? Jesus Christ says, I will build my church. Is that what Jesus said? And what will happen? He said, The gates of hell shall not what? What did he say? Give it to me what to say. I'll build my church. Say loud, say loud. And the gates. So the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. He didn't say the gates of the church will be protected against hell. That means we are not fighting a defensive battle. We are the ones at the gate of hell. This battle is an offensive battle. 
Are you following my point? We are not trying to secure our place and say, let, no, let them not come here. We are at their gates. Say, you people cannot be doing what you are doing here. It was because we were so conservative and we are securing our place. That's why the gay movement grew. They say, hey, we are not disturbing people. You people don't disturb us. So we are securing our members. Instead of sending people to the parliament, sending people to policy making, sending people to judiciary, we are securing our church buildings. And there are people that would have sent us arrows. So the Bible says the children are arrows in the hands of God. So imagine if Satan already stole all God's arrows. So your job as a church, church is to you are sharpening God's arrows. That's what you're doing. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 16, NLT. I'll just finish this one because my time has gone, honestly. My time has gone. And it's because you people came with a hungry heart. I think there's somebody here that came to hear. That's why something, because when you people drew from me this night, I don't think, I was just saying things that does not concern me. I mean, things that I did not, I did not, <laughs> it's because maybe somebody came here and the person has a heart. Somebody, that's what, that's what happens. There's an anointing to hear. If you see a teacher that is teaching like you are, the way you are teaching and you are teaching and teaching like this, because somebody came into that place and the person is drawing. Alright? So, Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, NLT, what does it say? Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Yes. The apostles. Yes. The prophets. Yes. The evangelists and the pastors and teachers. Yes. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to yes. do his work. So, their responsibility is to do what? Equip God's people to do his work. So, all those pastors and teachers and prophets and apostles, what's their responsibility? Who is going to do God's, God's work? Eh? So it is God's people that will do God's. But the work of the pastor is to do what? Is to equip you to go and do God's work. So the work of the pastor is to equip God's people so that God's people can go and do God's work. The work of the pastor is not to do God's work. His own God's work is to equip God's people to go and do God's work. Someone say, I have a work. Say so again, say, I have a work. Alright? What does it say next? Help me. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, yes. the body of Christ. Yes. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith yes. and knowledge of God's Son yes. that we will be mature in the Lord, yes. measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Yes. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We are no longer immature, yes. We won't be tossed and blown about yes. by every wind of new teaching. Yes. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So when, when they say a new wave, hyper-grace, it's by disposition of grace. Since when has grace been a disposition? Is Noah's ark not grace? Grace is not a new thing. When God slayed that animal and clothed Adam and Eve, was that not grace? That was grace. So we are not children. And every, every new doctrine, every new move, in the, every new dispensation in church, because we have moved from this, we are apostolic. Everybody's apostle now. Everybody's everywhere you turn. Even when my friends that were pastor for, they are now apostles. I say this thing is for administrative convenience. There is no entitlement in title. 
is for administrative for us to be able to is for designation COO CEO CFO CSO is for administrative are you following my point it's just designation it's not there so everybody's moving that way everybody's moving this way you see we are no longer children talks like that yes continue instead yes we will speak the truth in love yes going in every way yes more and more like christ yes who is the head of his body yes the church yes he makes the whole body fit together perfectly yes as each part does its own special work. each part doing what its own special the bible work. calls it is so what you're doing va it's a special work someone says special say i'm not special who says i'm not special god says what you're doing is a special work Everybody called into Christ is a high calling. There's no low calling. It's the high calling of Christ. It's a high calling as a special one. That thing you are doing in the house of God is a special thing. It says as every part does a special work. Yes? It helps the other parts grow. So as you are doing your part now, you are supplying for the other parts to grow. Do more. Read again. As each part does its own special work, yes, it helps the other parts grow. Yes, so that the whole body is healthy. The whole body, because you seemingly just did your own special work. Some of us, our special work is to bring people to Jesus. You don't even know how to preach the gospel. I know one guy. If he can come with ten people to church, ten, he doesn't know how to preach. You, but people follow him everywhere. They follow him. Follow him. Ah, follow me to church. He will drag them to church. That's a special work. And it's going, to be, it's going to be rewarded based on that work. Because it's not going to be rewarded for what it's not called to do. Yeah. Some people are doing what they're not called to do. Are you following my point? Now, your work might be looking big than my work, or my work might look bigger than your work, but God has already positioned you there based on what he has put on your inside. So, somebody's work might just be to bring in that people. Bring in a crowd. There was a guy that gave his life to Christ. The guy who used to be Udlo. Hey! He brought everybody to Jesus. He can't even go there with a broken bottle. I said, and I love One bottle for me. He carried all the area boys to Jesus. He forced a damn driver to surrender his car. Surrender his bus. With threats. Stop that. And because they know him as the <laughs> That's a special work. You know I can do that work. You know I can do that work. If I go to Eddie Abu, they might even beat me. But that guy has a special work. And God is using that thing. People are able to save the people from a community you have been brought out from. Area boys can save area boys faster. Yeah. I'm telling you. Prostitutes will save prostitutes faster. Teachers will save their co-teachers. Lawyers can reach out to lawyers faster. Organizers will reach out to organizers. Civil engineers will reach out to... People are able to reach out because they speak their language. But the Bible says that everybody does their special work. The other parts are growing because of that. Now, there was something I didn't mention on Sunday. Don't go in my time. I'll just close in with that. Even though I'm not going to reach out to now to talk about it. I talked about the platform of prayer. So winning. I also talk about the platform of giving. That giving itself is a platform of service. And that's where the the, the core of stewardship comes in. That this thing that God has put in your hands is an entrustment. Are you following my point? Now, some of us, our clothes, 
Somebody's praying for that clothes. And God says, this gown, give it to that person. You say, never. Now, that person is praying. And God says, don't worry. I'm going to give you, I'm bringing one gown for you today. As I'm talking now, this is word of knowledge. This is word of knowledge. I'm serious. That thing you are holding back, somebody is praying for it. And God has already promised that person that don't worry. Trust me. I'm bringing this thing. And God is speaking to you. That clothes, go and give it out. Hmm? Are you following me? Yes, sir. So giving is a platform for service. Giving is a platform. Let me just share one scripture and we close. One moment. This thing. You know, it's like trying to wrap up things you have learned for over 10 years. Wrap it up in a sermon. How? How can you do that? Somebody's asking for rent. God says, go and give. God has promised that person. When that brook dried out, God put that flower in the hands of that widow of Seraphat because he had promised Elijah. He says, go to the widow of Seraphat. I have commanded her to sustain you. And God did not tell that woman anything. But in our obedience was our sustenance. Because God wrapped it in a circle that the moment she obeys, she will trigger a miracle that will in turn supply. So when I say serving God's kingdom is essentially serving our own interest, I know what I'm talking about. So when she released that seed to Elijah that day, she triggered a miracle that sustained not just her, sustained her, sustained her child, and sustained, even if she was serving everybody in the streets, that thing will not finish. Because she obeyed. Alright? I'm trying to look for the scripture I will quote. Somebody say, mm, go and leave that. Go and give that thing, say. <laughs> go and give that gown. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Let me finish this. Galatians chapter 6, 9 and 10. Let me finish with this. So I'll just take a few questions, then we'll wrap up. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. What does it say? Let's not be weary in well-doing. Says, let's not be weary in well-doing. For in due season. In due season. We shall reap. We shall reap. If we faint not. Somebody says, I will not be weary. I can't hear you, SLC. Say, I will not be weary in well-doing for I know I would reap in my due season. Alright, what does it say next? As we have therefore opportunity. As we therefore have opportunity. Let us do good unto all men. Let us do good unto all men. Especially unto them who are Especially the, unto them who are of the household of faith. faith. So the Bible says being able to do good to men it calls it an opportunity. Is that what they call it? Is that what it calls it? So, somebody's need is your opportunity. You see a need in the house of God. That's your opportunity. That's your opportunity. God prompts your heart and says, I see that in the need in the church. That's your opportunity. That's your opportunity. So, giving becomes an expression of service. God calls your attention to it. You see a sister in church. That is looking dirty or doesn't a wig is not really nice, and you have a wig you are not using. Bible says that's an opportunity. Is that an opportunity? That's an opportunity. You see someone that's looking tattered, and you have clothes you are not wearing. That's why the shop for free that the welfare team is putting together is very key. That's an opportunity. Giving is an opportunity. 
you give to God, you give to his kingdom, give to God. Let's stop begging people to give to God. Stop, let's stop. Let's get to that point. SLC, are you following my point? Let's get to the level where we are not begging. We are not cajoling people. We don't have to talk too much. Talk, 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 talk. We have to talk, pray, pray, pray. Father, touch their heart. Touch their heart. Because of what? Because of what? Before you give to God? And the moment your data finished, that is, you have even you put yourself on a renewal. Pyam! Six gig. Six gig. Six gig. Finish. The one you bought just has finished. Ah, ah, give it so fast. Give me another one. Six gig. Six gig. You are just renewing like that. You cannot stay one day without data. It's as if all your body, your life is gone. And you are buying like that. 12 gig, 6 gig. And any, 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 MTA is the owner of the yam. They are the owner of the knife. If they tell you that your 6 gig has finished, it has finished. If you say, how did, I, how did it finish? It has finished. It has finished. It has finished. What do you do again? You buy another 6 gig. You don't see that say, no. Someone has to tell me how this is. You'll be there for a long time. But because you are already missing updates and notifications, you cannot afford to miss the updates. You quickly do what? You recharge. Let me recharge first while we're finding out how this one finish. And the same thing will happen again. What? You're sucking your data like, like straw. Ah, finish. You get another one. You like that. And we have to cajole you to give to the things of God. We must get beyond that level. You open your eyes and say, Ah, there's, this, there's a need in church. You don't need to even tell anybody. My wife and I bought a 51 inches TV and sneaked. We didn't even have, did you, did you have a car then? We didn't have a car. We carried a 51 inches TV on Okada. 51 inches, husband and wife. On Okada, at least. We are carrying to the house of God. We went in the afternoon when nobody was there. We sneak and drop it on the altar. If you want to buy 10 TVs today, we'll buy it. Are you following my point? And I don't even need it. If I put I need TV on my status, if I say I need TV, somebody say, which one? Have you seen anyone you like? So, why do we need to cajole people to give when the Bible calls it an opportunity? As a business person, are you not looking for opportunities? As a kingdom business person, you are looking for opportunities. The opportunities in the house of God. We want to do this, we want to do that. So, say, oh, we need this, we need. You don't even have to blow it. You don't even have to, you can do it Nicodemusly. Nobody needs to know. Anonymous. And the Lord that sees you in secret to do what? Rewards. So those open rewards are results of secret labors. I want to plead with you. Giving is an act of service. Not just to God. God is number one. God first. God's kingdom first. Give to your parents. Give to members of the household of faith. You see some, I'm, I'm that weak thing is very important. If you see anybody who's weak, turn to left. Even though they are facing right. Like cross, you know we have cross high. We have cross weak. He's not saying, hey, see, see your friends, see your week. See your week. But the Lord is showing you an opportunity. So that week you hung in your house. Some of us have shoes we have not worn. Anytime you put your leg in it, something says, 
this does not belong to you. You say, no, it still size me. It's still okay. Say, Shade, what do you think? It's not still okay, it's still okay. You put it back on the churak till next year. God is saying, there's somebody praying, Lord, I need a shoe. I need a shoe. And God says, I have a certain disciple. I'm bringing you a shoe. Trust me. I'm bringing you a shoe. I'm, you see, because God does not have shoe in heaven. It is the shoe of his children that he will collect. Are you following me? It's one of his children's shoe that he will collect to give to you. He doesn't make shoe. So that person is praying, Father, I need it, I need it, I need this, I need this. God says, no, I have a son that I have blessed with it. That is the reason when I say God pours into a vessel, you will be able to pour out of it. Can God pour out of you? Well, I'm sorry I didn't touch my sermon today. But I want to believe that you learned something. Okay? I'm going to take two or three questions based on what we have learned throughout the month and we're going to call it a day. And maybe next year, that's if I even remember where I wrote it. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so let's quickly take questions. I'll just take like two or three questions. If anybody has a question, based on what I've learned this, 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 um, this month on service, stewardship, soul winning, I'll just take or two or three. So we, can, we can then pray and I can let you go home. It's already past it. All right, where's the other mic? Should you ask a question? One. I want to take all the questions now so I can. I have one question. Any other person? Two questions? Three questions. All right. Let's have a mic. Give it to Chinedu. Quickly. Praise the Lord. All right. So, how do we deal with, since we are dealing with, um, we spoke about preaching the gospel, winning souls. Mm. I feel personally mm. that there is a lot of work to do on religious people. That mm. is people that say they know Christ and then they are just really religious people. So is it necessary for us to preach to those people? Because for me, I see it as a, like a need, a burden to talk to people that are religious. There are people that are very, very religious. What do you mean religious? What do you mean? They go to church, but they, they do all the other things that a Christian... Like, they do which other things? Okay, I'm not, I'm not even talking of all the, the sins that we see as a fornication. Mm. I'm talking of things like lying. They talk so much. If you read Proverbs, you will be just, they will become to your mind when you are reading Proverbs. Like, they, they, they talk so much. They lie. They, they hate. They, have, they find it hard to forgive. They, like, all these bad, bad characters. And you'll be wondering, where are the fruits of the Spirit? Which kind of trees is this one? So... Yeah, so the first thing to do for those kind of people, number one, you have to pray for them. Pray for them. Two, then you have to show an example of good character around them. See, so sometimes God can judge someone and use your character to convict someone. So when God says to behave well, you don't even know why God is asking you to behave well. God might be trying to convict someone of a bad character. So you pray for them. And because they are already saved, in quotes, they are Christians, you understand, in quotes. It's not like I'm going to preach just them. They don't have the fruits of the Spirit. So the first is to be able to show fruits in your own life around them, let them see it. And then, you know, sometimes just engage them in the conversation or interaction around that. Not judgmentally, not to, to speak in truth and love. You're not judging them. But, you know, you are opening them to that. So, and if they are willing and if you've prayed for them, God can touch their heart they can yield. So if, if they are not unbelievers in quotes, they are not unbelievers, it's just that they don't have the fruits, you know, like you said. So pray for them, then show them examples and pattern of good works around them. And then God can pick on your own character to convict them of their own behavior. All right. Thank you very much. Did that answer your question? 
Yes, okay. You have another question? Because you're that your yes. <laughs> yes, sir. Sir. I don't know this person. If I know him, I will know. <laughs> that's, it. that's what you are going to do. There's nothing you can do the other person. You don't know the person. Eh? They, they don't listen. Like, they feel they know. That is really painful. Have you prayed for that person? Yes, I have. Both. Wait, have you prayed for that person? Yes, I have. What did you pray to God? That I don't want to be like the person. <laughs> give mic, give mic. Give the other person the mic. <laughs> Next question, I beg. You know, you just want to be like the person. <laughs> Where's the mic? All right. Good evening, sir. Mm. So, so how, how do you manage this? Uh, is it dichotomy now? Where, where uh, it's, it's, it's ungiving. So, you know, uh, the Bible says, Lord loves a cheerful giver, mm. but sacrificial giving, mm. you know, it's, it's got to pain you. Mm. But like, so how do you handle this cheerfulness and sowing tears? <laughs> yeah. So you sow in tears. You sow in tears because it's painful. But beneath that pain, this 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 dear to you. You you are joyful that you have God has counted you worthy. Look at Jesus. The Bible says he went through the pain because of the joy that was set before him. So Jesus Christ was a cheerful giver. He went through pain. Do you know there was a time he was even asking to know if he, that cup could pass over him. That shows that it was a real sacrifice. Some people think that Jesus Christ did not feel that pain. Jesus Christ felt every ounce of pain on that cross. He felt it. He was God, but he was man. You see that? So, God is asking you to do something. You, this thing means a lot to you. It's dear to you. But you know that you cannot withhold anything from God. Are you following my point? So, you give it willingly. You give it cheerfully. You are rejoicing in your heart. And you know that God needs this thing. You understand? God needs, do you know that sometimes God needs your shoe? God needs your car. God needs, it says, it says, when anybody asks you, it says, say the master has what? The master has need of this thing. God needs, some of you, you are wearing God's, God's something. God has told that you need that thing, but you do not give it to God. I'm telling you, God is saying, I need this thing, I need that thing. You kept the money, you kept it safe. And God says, I need it. One day God told me, God says, is a bed in hand is what? God says, what if that bed dies in your hand? That bed in hand, if you now die in your hand, what will you do with it? And when God says, I need this thing, and you don't yield it, and God has to speak to somebody else, ah, when you now take it, they say, we don't need it again. You will now know that there's no life in this thing. Even you, you won't be, you won't be able to take it home. You say, never. You will have to collect it from me. I'm telling you, I've been there before. God says, I say, no, I'm not going to give it. God went to speak to somebody else. You are waiting. God says, "Ah, we have already." Another person has obeyed us. You can go and be watching your TV. <laughs> Say which TV? <laughs> God, if you like, throw inside us, <laughs> Ah, if you like, break it. So God needs it. So it's painful to you, but you have understood that this is an opportunity, and it is it is value that God looks down and puts His eyes on something that belongs to you. I said, give me that. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's so beautiful that God, Almighty God, when he told that Samaritan woman, give me water to drink. Ah! Almighty God says in his mind, what am I doing with it? Carry it. Carry it. Carry it. 
the Lord will give us understanding in Jesus' name. All right, where's the third question? Have I answered your question? Third question? No, there's one, it's not you, one fellow, it's Toby. Where's, it's not, it's you now. Hey, guys. Oh, oh. All right, where's the mic? Quickly, quickly. Quickly, there's a question online. All right. All right, sir. Uh, I have more than one question. My first question, I the week you are teaching on how to preach to Muslims, I was not around. So I wanted to ask, I, I, you said you were going to, so I don't know, maybe I missed it, but I wanted to ask, how do we preach to, like the, my encounter with that person now from Jehovah Witness? Because whenever I try to tell him something, he always has one scripture negating what I want to tell him about. So how do I... Okay, so I want you to know that the soul winning field is a battleground. The Bible says, whom the gods of these hearts have blinded the minds of those that do not believe. We are dealing with a spiritual issue. It's not, it's not intellectual accuracy. It's not some form of eloquence and ability to, to, to lay down an argument. That's not it. You know, it plays in it, but that's not it. It's first of all a spiritual issue. If God has highlighted a Muslim in your mind, I preach to this Muslim, the first thing to do is begin to pray for that guy. Begin to pray for that person. Begin to pray for that person. Begin to pray for that person. Because it's like, like plowing a ground that you want to come and sow a seed. There are some places that if you throw your seed, it will not grow because the, land is, the ground is not plowed. So prayer plows the heart of the people. Some of them, while you are praying for them, they will just come and meet that. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm not comfortable. I'm not satisfied. I, I, I think there's a vacuum in my life. You yourself would have known that. Kai! Prayers answered. There's a friend of mine who had backslided. Backslided. She used to be a pastor. A hall, you know, we used to have all pastors. Like, uh, I will all, Moremi, all pastor. Investor of Ife. Uh, so she was a sports all pastor. She backslided. Turned from was drinking alcohol. Was living her life anyhow. She told me, said, Philip, all those times, now those times of ignorance. Now, those, now ignorant times when you're doing it because when you're ignorant. But I kept praying for her. And I was sending her broadcast sermons. She said, stop sending me this thing. I would say, but Pastor Fum, her name is Fumbi. She might even watch this. I said, Pastor Fumbi, he said, stop calling me Pastor. He said, those times are times of ignorance. Nothing, nothing. So I began to pray. I began to pray. Father Lord, still, you have used that before. Don't let Satan steal her from your hands. One day she just called me. She said, Philip, I have found lump in my breast. The doctor says it might be cancerous. <laughs> I started laughing. I said, Jesus can heal you. <laughs> he said, Yes, that's why I've come to you. I said, Close your eyes. Father, I know, me, I know that what God did was to withhold his hands, allow Satan to plant that seed so that I will, there will be a need. I had to cry to God. Like he picked up Jonah, threw me the mouth of the way. So there's a need now to cry back to God. I pray. I said, go and meet the doctor. He's no longer there. She went, came back, dancing. The thing had disappeared. He said, I will serve Jesus. I was I said, yes. So it was not, there was no argument. There was no intellectual discourse. There was no, inter there's nothing. Because for a person that has even served Jesus before, she knows all the scriptures. I could have quoted. It is only that kind of thing. I could have dragged her back to Jesus. So when you are meeting people like that, don't be, don't start. He says the harvest is ripe, the laborers are few. You say pray that the God. Of, so he didn't say the harvest is ripe, laborers are few. All, all you few laborers begin to rush into the harvest. 
He didn't say rush. He says, go ye. But he says, tarry ye. He that said, go ye, also said, tarry ye, until you be endued with power. So, when I'm dealing with Muslims or people that I know their hearts are, I, don't, I know that there's no arguments. It's not about arguments. It's about the power of God. It says, on the days of your power, the people will be willing. That's what happens. So, pray. That's the foundation. Pray, pray, pray. And then God will give you an opening. When there's an open door, you will see light. How do you, how do you know that there's an open door? If light starts coming out from here now, you know this door has been opened. So when you see light in that person's life, you know God has opened the window for you. You quickly take advantage of it. That was what Potter did. When he raised that man, that lame man, and the man was standing beside him, when the crowd began to gather, he saw an opportunity. And the Bible says they won 5,000 souls. It was an opportunity. Only God can open that kind of door. Spending time in God's presence and praying will give us those kind of opportunities. Hmm? All right. So, I think that's the last question. There's a question like, okay, how many questions do I have now? Because of my time, please. One, one, how many questions? If you want to ask a question, lift up your hands. One, two, three, four. Four questions. Only four questions are big. So that we can move on, please. So that we can close, please. All right. Try to answer them short, short, short. Okay? Yes, sir. Question I want to ask is there anything like foolish giving, especially when you know you're from God? Like foolish giving. And secondly, why is it that uh, you budget there's money you're expecting mm. and you're written down what you want to use that money for? Mm. And that's when you hear God you know, saying, Yeah, I need that one. Yeah. Why? So I, I wouldn't call it, he's asking why. <laughs> why did God say that? <laughs> All right. So I won't call it foolish giving, I will call it emotional giving. So somebody can be emotional. You know, maybe I came and preached a very powerful message and I touched because some people ah, it's just to talk to my keyboardist, you know what to play. Bang, 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 play. Ah. Some people do it now, they want to give it, they want to give to they want to give to motherless babies or kind of, they will play, they will play those children crying. Oh, oh. They will give soundtrack. They can even use they can use psychology. You just before you know you are giving all your money. Yeah, so the most emotional giving. You know, but an emotional giving doesn't mean that there won't be reward. If you give emotionally, it doesn't mean the Bible says give and it shall be given to you. Emotionally, foolishly, wisdomly, wisely, God will give to you. Sometimes some people have been deceived by pastors to give. You understand? But they gave out of a pure heart. Those people gave because they believed God. You see, faith is what pleases God, not the results of faith. You do understand what I said. It is not the outcome of faith that pleases God. It is that you believed God. The Bible says, Abraham believed God and it was counted for him for righteousness. So, sometimes God will speak to your heart to give. Sometimes you have been saving your money, God says, give that money. Ah, when he gave Abraham a child, he did not kill the child in the womb. He waited for the child to be growing. Your Bible says, and Abraham loved Isaac and I said, yes. Now is the time. I need that boy. Why did you ask him at that time? Why did you even allow him to bond this boy? Why did you allow me to make this? You just did a contract and you were given 10 million. And your mind just says, yes, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> that 10 million, <laughs> we need it. See, but why did you allow me to win this contract? Well, you know that you are, <laughs> you are a channel. God used you because God must use a certain disciple in Wusetu. You are that disciple. So God speak to you. Maybe God speak to you at now. <laughs> Obey God. All right. So, where else? Where else? All right. Um, blessing. Very fast. So that I can run this. 
Right. So I would I would say you have answered the question, but okay. you didn't like kind of answered the question. Right. So um, I have friends who have um, been in church, they've mm. been workers and for a very long time. Mm. But then um, they had um, a fallout with pastors okay. in church, the way mm. things were going, maybe administrative, mm. and mm. they left church. Mm. They believe in God mm. quite, but they stop going to church. Mm. But then uh, the Bible says where one or two are gathered, mm. he's there. And, mm. um, the community of brethren. Yeah, so they don't go to church anymore. They don't go to church, but they pray. Mm. To them, they pray. Mm. They understand that God is the provider. Mm. And but how do I get them to come back to yeah, church so, to serve? So, number one, they are hurt. They are hurt. They are angry. Yeah. They have not forgiven that pastor. They have not forgiven the system. They are living in for unforgiveness. That's what they are doing. So you have to let them know that the body of Christ, the church of Christ on the earth is not a perfect church. I'm telling the truth. The, the church, as we are here like this, we are not a perfect church. So there are people, you know, who might hurt you or do something wrong. Hey, so they should not now pour that out to the entire body of Christ. And you're not even promising that the church, they want to go and join again. They will not hurt them there. They should just correct their hearts that they are going to be hurt. Bible says offenses will come. Are you following my point? Now, if you off, if you offend you in this office and you resign, won't you look for another work? You will not say you will not say workplaces are very very hostile. So I will stay in my house. You will starve. And that's why a lot of people today, because of what happened in one church, there's one scandal here, there's one scandal. This one pastor. This. That was the pastor that did that. That was not Jesus. So the body of Jesus, God wants you in His body. There's something He has put in your life that is placing a demand in another church. And God is not going to insist that you must stay in this church. God is not saying that. Except, of course, God says, stay here. But if God is not saying that, and you know your heart is already hurt, but you must find a place. You always must find a place. Alright, so reach out to them like that. Now, you did not raise up your hand before. Okay, from you too. Okay. What I want to ask is about giving. Okay. Uh, how you decipher whether it's the Holy Spirit or it's just you being emotional. So I had a situation some time back this year. I went to buy something and mm. as I was leaving, mm. one guy woke up to me. I knew a lot of people walk up to me and I'm like, I beg, I don't have money. Mm. Do you understand? Mm. But then this guy walked up to me. I entered the car. Something in my mind just said, just give him. And then I took him back into the um, supermarket mm. to get stuff. And apparently it was like this guy was duping me because mm. he said he was hungry, wanted to eat. And then he was not packing everything inside the shop. I was like... God, is it you that is telling me to help this guy that is duping me now? Mm. So now I want to know how do you know that you're not being emotional and it's not all because tomorrow now I will mm. if I have that knowledge, I'm going mm. to I'm going to disobey because I feel like it's the same thing. Yeah. So <laughs> I want to know. I get your point. Yeah, how do you know you're not disobeying? Yeah. So sometimes, like I said earlier, God God says to give. So what I you don't even have to hear from God before you give sometimes. You know, sometimes somebody has a need, you can't say, No, I'm not going to give you until I hear from God. You know, you cannot do that. So sometimes you give. But sometimes this kind of person is a greedy person. He's a thief. Someone says he's hungry, you have bought him a loaf of bread. Bible says if you have two clothes, you give one. You don't give the two. Is that what your guy says? You have two garments, somebody asks you of one. He says give one. He says give all your clothes and walk naked. That's not what he said. So if somebody has a need, you, you, know, you, don't, you don't even indulge in people in the church. We should not indulge people to become lazy and indolence. The people that come to church, they're always asking. But they never walk. Ask them, do you have work? They say, no. That was why Paul says, eat that does not work. You see, there is food. He said, let him not eat. He didn't say, there's no food for him to eat. That means if you want to eat, you collect it from his hands. And say, go and 
work. That system that allows people to eat even without working is going to raise indolent and lazy people in the house of God. So God is not expecting someone just going about asking money, asking money, and you are not going to give person because you know you are, your conscience is saying you call yourself a Christian and you call yourself a Christian. No, no. So I offer people work. Somebody says I don't have money to transport. I say come, let me put you inside the bus. You pay the, you pay the conductor. He says no, no, no. That's all. So I say, of course, I'm entering. Somebody, I'm eating the restaurant. Someone says, I need food. And I ask them. I don't say, go and order your food. I say, give him this. Sit and eat. Give him this. I don't order for you that you don't have money. You are ordering for what? <laughs> give him this. Yes. Simple. You yeah, don't even have to hear from God to do that. So sometimes Satan plays on our intelligence and our emotions. You know, but if you work with God, you find that some of those things are not necessary. Hmm? All right. Okay, the question is, I was in a bus and someone was preaching, but what she was preaching was totally wrong. Mm. The aim was not to win souls, but mm. to collect offering. Mm. What is the best way to correct or help in the situation? Okay, so you have to listen to the Holy Spirit. You have to listen to the Holy Spirit because you know what your work will now become counterproductive. Because that person that is preaching to collect money, you don't know what the Holy Ghost can even do without preaching. You don't know what the Holy Ghost can do with it. So you want to allow God to lead you on how to handle there was one part time on campus somebody was preaching from downstairs in a female there and saying repent or you go to hell you adulterers you fornicators aristogales you call yourself this one as she was preaching prepare for hell prepare for Satan and his demons one person just shouted shut up you messenger of death Jesus is love he loves his children he wants to save them from sin he doesn't want and that person shouted on the message you know, and fine, we're okay. <laughs> Whatever. So maybe that's how the Holy Ghost wants to deal with that situation. And maybe the Holy Ghost has been telling that person too, stop this thing you are preaching. But the person is not listening. So the moment that person is going to say, you see now. <laughs> now. Now I've been telling you. <laughs> now you learn. Uh, you don't learn. So, so sometimes, allow the Holy Ghost, this, there's no formula to this thing. The moment I give you a formula, you might misuse it. The circumstance itself, what can it can will demand by the Holy Ghost what should be done at that time and it will work perfectly, right? The last person, okay, last person. Yeah, so, um, last week you talked about sowing the seed of the word, yes, for because not everybody you preach to may give their life to Christ immediately, yeah. So, um I always feel that nudge to preach, like to, but then some people, their faces are not always like encouraging to like approach them. Mm. Yeah, so, and then I noticed that a lot of people would rather allow you pray with them than for you to preach the word. So Fantastic. I want to know if by just praying with them, is that like sowing a seed? Somehow? Fantastic, that's it. There's also something we call prayer evangelism. You enter to a place, please, we are here, we are praying for people. Is anybody sick? Is anybody needy? You know, we come. In fact, nobody is against prayer. You come to a place. In the name of Jesus, we pray for those in this community. You're, you enter a shop where, they, where they, people are selling or people. As you sell, your business go work. You know, you start with prayer. All of them say, nobody doesn't want their business to work. Everybody says amen. Everybody's agreeing to it. And I says, but we need to, after saying that, I say, God is calling on you. If you are living in sin, you use that one and wrap it up. You have sown a seed. If I want them, Bishop Oedipo and Bishop used to do most times, they, they just carry that speaker, they go to a market. Bah! They begin to pray for them. Your business will prosper. Everything in the will prosper as you go forth. The moment you start that kind of thing, nobody is against that kind of thing. So then after that, they now say, and if you are here, and you are living in sin, you don't know Jesus, 
Today is a good time to accept Jesus. All these prayers we have prayed for you will be able to work better if you are a child of the kingdom. So when they say that, they now make contact. See people come out with their life. So praying to, in fact, praying is very, very important. It's very, very good. Okay, with that, we have come to a wrap up. Thank you very much. It's been a very eventful month for us. Thank you for listening to this message. Meditate on these words and watch how it will transform your life. For inquiries, please call 0909-672-9827 or 0807-548-5997. You can reach us on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram at SLChurchNG. You can reach us on our Facebook. That's Supernatural Life Church.